He's just <laughs> full of himself. I have to I had a bump him that way a little bit. Nap I've had months. <laughs> I don't know if the nap helped or made it worse. This is how we ready. Let's go. This, this is my Bible. Bible. It is, is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to what? Do what? Yeah, yeah. It's through. I was going to. I, I thought about kind of diverting from Galatians for tonight and talking about counting it all joy or Thanksgiving, but I think we've got that in the house already, so Amen. I think we're good. Uh, let's pray, and uh, we'll get into the Word. Are you together enough to... What are you doing? I'm trying to burp. <laughs> <laughs> well, respect, reverence, and awe in the pulpit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Word. With fear and trembling. You want to pray or want me to pray? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful. All right. <laughs> oh, Lord... We thank you for this day, and we thank, thank you for being Lord. here with us. We are gathered in your name, and we know that you are in our midst. Lord, we just ask that you guide us and you lead us, that you show us the way to draw closer to you as you draw closer to us. Lord, give us the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right for those that are here in this place and those that are listening online. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you for your son. Lord, you are the most high, the glorious Father, and we thank, we thank you, you for, for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, Father, we do thank you. Father, we ask that you think through our minds, speak through our lips, the very oracles of God. Father, use our tongue as that of the pen of the ready writer to get the word, to minister the word onto the good ground of the heart. Father, we ask that you prepare every person's heart. Satan, we bind you in the mighty name of Jesus. You have no right to come. You have no right to distract. You have no right to steal, kill, or destroy the word that's sowed in Jesus' mighty name. We rebuke you, and we cast you out, and we tell you to get in Jesus' name. Amen. amen and amen. Listen, sometimes you just got to get bossy with the devil. Sometimes you just got to flat get bossy with the devil. And um, I, I, I say this all the time, and, um, you know, I'm just going to say it again. Stop trying to have a conversation with the devil. Quit trying to debate him. You will never win. Listen to me. You will never. You are. You are very, very smart. You have the knowledge and the wisdom of God. But sometimes the best way to have a debate is to have no debate at all. Sometimes you just need to learn to say, I am not having this conversation, Satan. Sometimes you have to do that. Amen. Why do you have to do that? Because Satan will always cause you to question. He will get you to question your faith. 
He will get you to question your authority. He will get you to question who you are. He will get you to question your ability. He will get you to question what God has said to you. He will get you to question everything about your life. And, all, and, he, and here's the deal. Satan never gives you any answers. You have to understand this. Satan never, ever, ever gives you any answers. He only replies with questions. Things like, you know, Dad Hagen, he, you know, he, he didn't understand poverty when he first, you know, uh, anything about prosperity. Uh, he lived in great poverty when he started out on the ministry road. And he left pastoring and went to evangelizing because he thought, well, God didn't call me to pastoring, so... I guess that means I'm supposed to be an evangelist because in their day, they only knew two of the five offices. And so he, had, he was so poor that there was no tread on the tires and what have you. And, of course, he's out in Oklahoma and Texas. And so he was, his tires were so bad that he was afraid that if he drove during the day, the heat on the road would cause his tires to pop. And he didn't have any money for extra tires. So he always he would minister during the day, and then he would drive at night. And he'd sleep a little here and there as he could. But while he was driving down the road, he would say that the tires would begin to sing the song to him. What you going to do, what you going to do, what you going to do when the tires blow? And uh, how much do you know it was Satan singing the song? But he said the, the, run, the hum of the tires would get the song rolling. And rather than answer, what are you going to do? He would just begin to declare, Satan, shut up. Satan, I thank you for telling me that, you know, asking me that question, because now I know my tires aren't going to pop. Now I know my tires aren't going to mess up. And what was he doing? He was mocking Satan. You never, never, never answer. Write this down. You never write it down. If you don't have write it down. You got a phone? You got something? Write it down. Write it down. You never answer the devil's questions. That needs to be your motto. If nothing else, you need to sing the song. I never talk to the, I never, I never answer the devil's questions. That needs to be a song. Never answer his questions. The only thing you respond to his questions is, is to either tell him to shut up or mock him by telling him that now you know the answer to the question. Because if he says you're not going to do it, you can't have it, you're not going to make it, that means you can have it, it will happen, and you are going to make it. You've got to always speak what God says and stop answering because you're not going to win. And, well, what now, does this have to do with Galatians? Now, now, Jesus answered the devil with Scripture. With the Word. With so the if Word. You, if, you, if you've got that, then you can do that. Right. If the devil says nobody loves you, oh uh, no, uh, God so loved the world that He says His only He sent His only begotten Son. Amen. So I'm. But loved. if you don't have the Word, if all you know is the character of God, just answer Him with what you got, and answer Him with His own answer Him with His own lie. That's not my God. He wouldn't yeah. be like that. Yeah, my God, my God doesn't my God doesn't tell me I can't do it. My God, what, what the devil says you can't do it. Well, answer Him with Philippians. I can do all things through Christ Christ Jesus who strengthens me. me. Praise God. Well, you're not going to have enough. Answer him. My God shall supply 
All of all my needs. My needs. According to his, his riches, riches and glory, glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. This is what meditating is. Getting those scriptures in your mouth so that you can answer. You can't do it. You can't do the things of God. Uh, James said I'm to be a doer of the word. God can't tell, won't tell me to be a doer if I can't be a doer. So if God told me to be a doer, that means I can be a doer. And if I can be a doer, then that means I am a doer. Amen. What does this have to do with Galatians? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Galatians chapter 4. Here, Paul, again, is still continuing to contend with believers that they're not to go back under the law. He's still contending with them to not go under the law in this letter. He is persuading these people in Galatia with every possible argument he can come up with. So in Galatians chapter 4, uh, he's, verse 19. Oh, Galatians 19. 4, 19. All right. We're picking up in the middle. Well, what, what happened before that? Go back and get the other eight sermons. All right, 419. My little children, of, who, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Now, he's talking about from a past, he's talking from a fivefold minister standpoint. Understand that Paul was, he, Paul operated in the apostle's office, uh, and he operated in, in the evangelist's office at times, and he operated in the pastor's office at times. Because that's what an, an apostle has to do. An apostle, a biblical five-fold apostle, is a sent one. They're somebody who God himself, not man, but God himself sent into a region where Christ has not been preached. They go into that area with the, uh, with the anointing of the evangelist, and they preach Christ. They bring people into Christ. Then, as they get people saved, they step over into the pastoral office, and they begin to shepherd them and train them and teach them and disciple them until God ordains one of those new Christians into the pastoral office. And then that apostle will seek the Father's face, and the Father will say, okay, now go into this region. And again, and he's, he's, he's going to that region. He's praying for new births. He's praying for open doors. He's seeking for them. What is he doing? He's birthing that region in the spirit. He's laboring for that region. So he had already labored for Galatia. And Galatia had already, these people in this church had already been born again. They were walking in the liberty and the freedom of Christ when he was there. The church had it going on. But what happened sometime after Paul left is these uh, Jewish, the, these Jews from, that were still living under the old, cust, uh, old covenant snuck in. They came in like spies, and they tried to bring these new converted Christians into Judaism, into Old Testament worship under the law. And Paul has called, and, so, and Paul got wind of this, so Paul writes this letter and says, why are you going back under the law? Why? Because, because in that church there were people that were once Jews under the old covenant that had gotten born into Christ, but there were also Gentiles, those outside of the covenant, that were born into Christ. And now these people are in the church. I want to know what happened to the pastor that he put over the church of Galatia. What happened to the pastor that he put over this church? Obviously the pastor reached out to Paul 
and said, Paul, we got a problem. Uh, and, Paul called, and, and Paul wrote in and, and said, uh, what, what's going on with you guys? And Paul said, am I going to have to birth you again? Am I going to have to pray you through like you've never met Christ before? And this happens a lot of times with baby Christians, even today. Pastor Michael and I have dealt with Christians time and time and time again, the same ones. You know, we get them good. We get them rolling. They're doing good. They're walking the road. They're doing good. We start to back off. We're like, you're walking. You're a little toddler. You're walking. And before we blink three times, they're down on the ground crawling. And we're like, what happened? (laughs) When did you start crawling again? When'd you stop? When'd you stop using the bathroom and start going in your and needing diapers again? What happened? Well, that's what happened here. He was asking them. Now you understand. I'm not saying y'all literally started crawling on the ground. I'm just saying you backtracked in your Christian walk. And so Paul said, "Do we have to birth you again?" Let's keep going. James one twenty two. Be doers of the word. But back here to Galatians chapter four, he said. He said, my little children, of whom I travail in birth. Now, what's that mean, travail in birth? I love this because, and it's sad that we have to explain this. See, in their day, they didn't have things like epidural nerve blocks. They didn't have, uh, you know, the the OR rooms that were kind of soundproofed. No, they didn't have any of that. When a woman went into labor, it was just her and God and the midwife and a whole lot of screaming in pain. They, they knew some things about how to get the body to relax and things like that and how to do some breathing and what have you. Uh, but back in that day, they didn't, you know, they didn't do this, you know, oh, we want, oh, you want the baby born on uh, the week of Thanksgiving, but you don't want your Thanksgiving messed up, so we'll induce you on Sunday evening so that the baby will be here by Monday. You'll have two days in the house, and then you can go home and have the baby there with Thanksgiving. They didn't play that game. No, no. In fact, when my sister was born, my sister was supposed to be born on my mother's birthday, which is December 17th. We know when my sister was born? She was born on January 4th. She was late. She was so stinking late. In fact, the doctor said, at the last, at the last time that mom went into the doctor, he said, well, if you don't have her by such and such time, we joke, we pick on her. He said, he said, if you don't have her by this time, then we'll just have to go in and get her. And then she decided to come. But if I remember how the story goes, I think mom was in labor for 18 hours. You know, pushing and heaving and hunting and, and, you know, body stretching in ways that it shouldn't stretch. Well, it was created to stretch that way, but our mind says it shouldn't do those things. What have you. And then at that point, at that point, they had enough sense. I don't know. Mom said, Mom, I've heard this all my life. I don't know what they were thinking. They made me go through that for 18 hours. About the time she was about to be born, they knocked me out. I'd already lived through the worst of it. And then they knocked me out. So, no, but they didn't even do that back in Jesus' day. Back in Jesus' day, once the woman started to have contractions, it was game. The men were off in the other area. 
the ladies were all in there helping her and holding her on and getting her in this position, getting her. They were laboring. She was laboring and she was travailing. What was she? She's groaning. What, you want to know where Lamaze cast came from? It came from travailing. What's she doing? Trying to birth that thing, trying to birth that baby. Do you know that in order for somebody to be born spiritually, you have to go through labor for them? You have to go through physical labor for them. Uh, uh, Re- uh, Reverend Palm, he used to, he, I mean, he's known for mad, going into areas where there was Christ not preached, and he'd have huge revivals. Everybody knows about Brother Parham. Very few people know about Brother Brown. Brother Brown would go to the town that Brother Parham was fixing to come to preach in. He'd show up two to three weeks early. And he'd get him a room in the boarding house. Now, back in those days, the boarding houses were like right in the center of town where the hustle and the bustle and all that was. And he'd get him a room in the boarding house, and uh, he'd tell him, he'd say, don't, don't knock on my door. Don't bring me food. Don't bring me drink. If I need anything, I'll let you know. Do not bother me. And he'd get in there, and he would go through labor pains. For two to three weeks in the spirit, praying and moaning and groaning and, you know, Lamaze went, and all that crazy stuff. Not really. What what he was doing was he was praying in the Holy Ghost. Have you ever had an earnest need and just got down and got, got a hold of the horns of the altar in the spirit? Have you ever had that experience? There's like two people in here that have had that experience. Y'all need to pray in the Holy Ghost more. You need to get over into the Holy Ghost more. You get caught up in the Holy Spirit, you'll start, you'll start making noises you didn't even know you could make because your spirit's crying out. Well, he would do that. Brother Brown would do that. And then uh, and, uh, they talked about one time in particular, uh, Brother Parham came to town, and, the, and, and, and the, it got word that he was coming in on the coach, and the boarding house lady kind of met him at the coach and said, oh, Brother Parham, Brother Parham, come quick, come quick, come on. He said, what is it? What, what, what's the hassle? What's the problem? And she said, oh, Mr. Brown came in about two, three weeks ago, and he's been in his room for three weeks, and he's not had a drop of water. He's not had nothing to drink, nothing to eat for two weeks, and he's up in that room, and he's moaning, and he's groaning, and he's making all kinds of noises, and we knock on the door, and he won't answer and we're deeply, the only reason we even know he's alive is because we can hear him moaning and a groaning, but he won't come to the door. He won't let us in, come in. And Brother Parham, he said, oh. He said, well, they said a man. That's what, he, she didn't know his name. He said, this man came in, and, you know, they said that he was with you, but, you know, and he said, and this is what he said. He said, oh, that's just Brother Brown. He's laboring for the lost, laboring for the lost. He said he'll be fine when the spirit gets done with him and the spirit will let him go and he'll be fine. He'll come down and eat. And, well, later that evening or the next evening, if I have my account, if I remember which account was which, uh, or it, 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 um, he had, they were having some type of dance in the boarding house, down in the dining area boarding house. They were having a dance and, uh, before the, like the night before the meeting weather, and uh, Brother Brown came, he come down, and he was watching them. And he got into inter. He was sitting. He was sitting down in the room, and he got into intercession for him. And he said, "Lord." He said, "Lord." He said, 
forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're getting into. Father, show them your goodness. And when he said that, the glory moved into that boarding house, and they all got slain in the spirit. The entire room got slain in the spirit. Bam! They all went down. And they laid there for a good little bit. And all of a sudden, they got up, and they just started praising and worshiping God. And that whole entire town had revival. That's what Paul is talking about when he said, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. This is why you need a pastor. This is why you need a God-called, anointed, appointed pastor, not just somebody that this is their career. You need somebody that will be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, that will cut off their personal wants, needs, and desires, who will get in the prayer closet for you and pray you through and out of your messes. And that's what Paul was doing. Because look at what he says next. Look at what he says next. Wow, we got one verse in. Verse 20. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Listen, he said, he said, I'm so concerned that you've gotten so far off from what I taught you that I'm concerned that you're not going to make heaven. Listen, it's important that you don't let people take you back under the law. It's important that you don't let the devil take you back into the things that he has delivered you from. It's very right that God's delivered you from. Thank you very much. He said, he said, he said, and he said, I'm so concerned for you. Now, we've been reading this letter, and he's been very nice through this letter. He's just been having a good conversation through this letter. He's just been giving you some good arguments through this letter. But when we pointed out this week, he said, I stand, he said, look at what he says. He said, he said, number one, I desire to be present with you. There's some of you that we've had some conversations with, and I've said, we've been texting, and, and I've said to you, um, this is a conversation that we need to have face-to-face. We need to have this conversation face-to-face. Why? Because 90% of communication is, is tone of voice, is body language, and you don't really understand what's being said and what's being expressed until, unless you have those things. How much you know, a, a letter, you're not getting it. And so he said, I desire to be present so you can really, so you can, can you get, so you can get an idea of how concerned I am for you, number one. And number two, I really want to come and rebuke you. I really want to come and chastise you. I really want to come and get on you. Because he's, how do we know that that's what he wants to do? Because in the letter, he's being very sweet. In the letter, he's being very gentle. In the letter, he's being very nice. But he wants to change what he's, he wants to change his voice. He wants you to get, because the paper says, you know, I'm a little concerned for you. I'm perplexed for you. No, what he wants to do is he wants to get you, get you eye to eye, face to face, in your face. And he wants to go, I am sincerely concerned and perplexed. You are stressing me out. You are freaking me out. What are you doing? How much you know that comes across a little differently? That comes across a little differently. And he said, because uh, I'm concerned for you. I'm in doubt for you. And so then he goes and he tries to explain it yet one more different way. He tries to explain it to you this way. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? I love Paul. He said, those of you that are wanting to be under the law, have you not paid attention to it? You know, because remember, under the law, they had to stand. 
remember once a year, the entire congregation of Israel had to stand, not sit. They didn't get to sit in an air-conditioned room. They had to stand in the hot desert sun while the law was read to them in its entirety. When was the last time you read Genesis from cover to cover in one sitting? Ever? Have you ever done that? Or one standing. <laughs> How about Genesis and Exodus in one run? Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus in one run. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, one run. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all at one time. Guess what they did? Once a year, every year, they stood and they heard the entire law, the entire history, from cover to cover. And they stood, men, women, children, elderly, everybody, stood and listened to the law. Why would you want to go back under that? How many of you have sat through the reading of Deuteronomy 28? How many of you, by the time you got done with, De with the reading of Deuteronomy 28, your brain was like, oh my gosh, that's awful. Imagine reading Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26, the sister chapter, back to back. Back to back. <laughs> he, he, so he, here they are. They're wanting to go back to what they knew. And he said, have you even heard? Like, were you even listening? Like, did you even pay attention? Now, that's for the Jews. Let me talk to the Gentiles because we're Gentiles. Uh, do you remember what life was like before you met Jesus? Do you want to go back to that? Do you, do you remember what it was like when Satan could just talk to you nonstop and you couldn't shut him up? Do you remember what it was like when your emotions were completely out of control and you had no relief no matter what you did? Do you remember when you lived in stark poverty? Do you remember when addiction had your life? Do you rem like, like, can you go back and look at those things and, and, like, and you're looking at, and, and go back and think for a few minutes. Do you want... Is that the life you want to go back to? It's not the life I want to go back to. It is not the life I want to go back to. I watch people that are into things that I used to be into, and I see where their life is, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm so thankful I don't live like that anymore. I hear people that talk the way I used to talk, and I think, oh, God, I am so thankful that I don't talk like that anymore. I'm so thankful that I don't sound that way anymore. And he, so, so that's what he's saying. He said, he said, when you were under, so he asked them about the Jewish law. Let me ask you this. When you lived under the curse of the old law, did you like it? Of nope. Satan's law? The law of the curse? Did you like the law of the curse? Because we all, everybody in here came out of the law of the curse. Did you enjoy that life? No. How much you know? He's, he said, so he's like, no, we don't like that life. Let's keep going. All right. Verse 22. Verse 20, uh, yep. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. All right. So let's talk about this. He says, for it was written uh, that Abraham had two kids, basically. Um, and yes, it's true, it's written in a book, but do you know that Abraham was a real person? 
Sure. Abraham was a real person. We make a mistake. I truly believe that we make a mistake when we sit down with our children and we say, hey, let us tell you the story of Abraham. Let us tell you the story of Isaac. Or let us tell you the story of David. Because uh, then there's other times that we say, hey, let's sit down and let's do the story about the cat in the hat. Let's sit in this. Let's sit down and let's read the story about Santa red fish, Claus. blue fish, one fish, two fish. Santa because Claus. Be, right, let's let's read the story of Santa Claus. Because when we when we say let's read the story and we read fables and then we read true accounts, the children automatically we teach that that what we're telling them about Bible truths is nothing more than a Fable. story. No, this is an account. He said, really, I think this should be written better to say the, you, you have read or the, or the account of Abraham has been written. Because this is true. Abraham was a real man. He walked the earth. He walked with God face to face. God came and met him. God came and told him that he was going to be the father of many nations when he was very, very old. When he was very, very old, uh, he was in his 90s. His wife was in his in her 80s. You know, very old. Actually, I think he was 75 when they had the first conversation. And about 18 years after they were told this, Sarah, his wife, started. This is why you don't have conversations with the devil. Sarah, his wife, started listening to the whispers of Satan. You're old. You don't have your women's cycle anymore. You haven't had it for years. In fact, your hus- you and your husband are not even physically capable of being intimate. You're, this is not going to come to pass. I think maybe you might need to help God out. Uh, what? I don't need to help God. All I need to do is do what God tells me to do, and everything will come to pass. All I have to do, God said, trust. And he, all he said to Abram is, uh, do you believe me? And Abraham said, I believe. It's amazing to me that he never asked Sarah if Sarah believed. Do you notice that? God never asked Sarah if Sarah believed. He said, Abraham, do you believe? See, Sarah didn't have that word from heaven. She didn't speak to God face to face. Because I believe if Satan had gone to Abraham, Abraham would have looked at the serpent and said, no, God said it would come to pass. God said he was going to do the work, so God's going to do the work. But instead, he went to, he went, the serpent went to Sarah and began to talk to Sarah, and Sarah began to contemplate how to do God's job for him. This is dangerous ground. If God tells you to do something, he's going to do it through you. He's the one doing the work. When God said to, to, to me, uh, when, when I had the vision of going, stepping into youth ministry, when God said, when God showed me the stadium of the Coliseum of people, and I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, oh, these are all your spiritual children. I was talking to the Lord about natural children. I was not talking to the Lord about spiritual children. He shows me a coliseum of people, 
And I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, these are your spiritual children. And I, and, 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 then he, and I said, what? And he said, well, I'm calling you and your husband into youth ministry. Um, I didn't say a word to anybody. I didn't tell anybody what God, I didn't even tell my husband what God said. I said, well, Lord, that's interesting. You're going to have to make sure that uh, you tell Michael that. You're going to have to tell my pastors that. You know, and this was in late June, or this was in July. In um, October, the beginning of October, my pastor's wife came to me. Michael was on a fire and said, oh, I've been meaning to tell you why we were at the same meeting. They, she, we were at the meeting with him. She said, back there when we were at camp meeting, the Lord spoke to my heart and said that you and Michael were supposed to be our youth leaders. What am I supposed to do? Well, I didn't hear that from heaven. Uh, okay, let's lie. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> then I went home and told Michael what happened because now I'm on the spot. Now he's on the spot. He looked at me and he said, well, God said that to you, not me. I thought, Lord, what are we going to do? In a matter of a very, like, I guess just a few minutes, he looked at me and finally he said, no, if that's what God said, then that's what we're going to do. He said, that's what we're going to do. And see, it was already in his heart. Or I had to hear something. But it was already in his heart. You know, he just a little slow to catch up on some things sometimes. And uh, when, we, when it came time to be pastor, the Lord, the Lord and I had a great conversation with it. I mean, the Lord had been talking to me and showing me some things and doing some things and, and, and said some things. And we, he, he told me months ahead of time we had a conversation. And, I mean, I had a, a basically an almost audible conversation with the Lord. It wasn't, but to me it was. And, and the Lord said, I'm fixing to remove your pastors from office. You're going to shut down that ministry. You're going to start the ministry that I've given you the blueprint to. And, uh, when it hap- and, and you'll know when it's going to happen. And I boohooed and cried, and I kept my mouth shut. And then when things started to happen, and it was very evident what needed to take place, I'm still over here with my mouth shut. Why? Because I've heard from heaven. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, Michael, this, you know, this, what's going on in the church? It's crazy. And all of a sudden, he just looked at me. He said, you do know we're supposed to be the pastors, right? Like, we're supposed to, like, you know, take this thing over. And I'm like, huh, huh, you know. And I said, when did the Lord tell you that? He said, oh, months ago. He said, I, I, I said, I said, when did the Lord tell you that? He said, oh, several months ago. I said, what did he say? He said, it wasn't a saying. I just saw it. Because that's what he does. He sees it. And I'm like, and you didn't say anything? He said, no, I wasn't going to say nothing. See, what you have to understand is God, God opens the doors. God does things. God puts you in position. God knows it. In this situation, Abraham had heard from God. Sarah had not. Because they're Old Testament. They didn't have the Holy Ghost. But the next time, remember, she heard God at the tent the next time after this. But priorly, before, this, before she, God was at the tent, remember, Sarah got it in her mind to take her handmaiden. Now, most people think about it. Most people don't realize this. What is the handmaiden? It was her slave. The handmaiden had no choice. You have to understand this. Hagar did not have a choice. Sarah was the boss. And Hagar was told by the slave owner, Hagar being the slave, go lay with my husband and, and, and uh, produce him a child. She was the slave. Ishmael was born from bondage, was born from bondage. He was born of the world. He was, he, Ishmael came from the behavior of Satan, 
What did Satan do? Satan whispered in Sarah's ear for Sarah to take control of Hagar's free will and command her to lay with Abraham and produce Abraham a child. Now, Abraham did as his wife wanted him to because Abraham wanted to please his wife. But again, he was under that controlling influence. So Ishmael is born to the world. Ishmael is born under a spirit of control. Ishmael is born under the influence of Satan. Ishmael represents the kingdom of Satan. That's what he and his generations represent. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. After, why? Because Sarah said, well, Abraham, you're supposed to have a child. Being, that, being the married woman who has not had a wife, there is, this, there is a discrepancy in you. There, there, there's what feels like a weakness and an incompleteness when you, because the Bible tells you to go forward and multiply. You get married with the idea that you're going to produce a family. You go through your marriage thinking we just, you know, we're going to have children. And if you don't have that, you don't meet that goal, there's a weight that stays with you. There's a weight that stays with you until you understand that maybe that's not God's plan for you specifically. And so Sarah was trying to fulfill the desire that was in her heart uh, through her own means. How much do you know? When God calls you to, and this is, I've got several people in here that are called to ministries. You need to understand that the ministry that you're called to is not your ministry. The ministry that you're called to is God's ministry. God is not calling you to be the miracle worker. God is calling you so that you can get in position to allow the miracle worker to flow through you. Through you. Pastor Michael and I in this ministry, y'all, I, I don't even, I'm overwhelmed. Typically online, Typically, our average, just throwing out the average, is about 70 to 100 views on a Sunday morning. This past Sunday morning has been viewed 254 times. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. Wednesday, healing Five school. Five more chairs. Huh? Yeah, line up, get, chairs. Yeah, get the chairs out of storage, right? Uh, praise God, Hallelujah. Uh, prayer uh, healing school is kind of the slower service for our week online. Um, midweek, and it's already seen 68 views, which is which is the top of the week for most views. I mean, that's on the top side, you know. But here's the deal: it's not me, it's not him, it's not anything. And Praise here's the God. other thing that's crazy: most of the time when we have a high view. It's because the sermon's been shared like five or six or seven times. You know, this one that's been viewed 250-something, 265 times, has only been shared three times. Wow. It's only been shared three times. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's crazy, Lord. No, I don't know how many people watch two seconds, three seconds, the full story. I don't know. But here's the deal. It's being clicked on. It's being, but here's the deal. 
I can look in that and I can get overwhelmed and I can go, God, I can't do that. But, or I can go, wow, God, you're amazing because I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. He's doing it. Sarah was trying to do this. He said, but he of the free woman was by promise. See, this ministry is not by the flesh. This ministry is by promise. Because God said, if, you'll be, if you will delight yourself, if you'll delight yourself in me, I will give you the desires of your heart. The Lord said, if you'll be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. The Lord said, if, uh, if the Lord establishes the work, then we don't labor in vain. I have pur- Michael and I have purpose in our hearts to not labor in vain. If God doesn't say it, we don't do it. We don't do it. And some people will say, well, you know, you're not doing this in a minute, and you're not doing this, and you're not doing that. And then, Why not? Because God didn't say to do it. God didn't on, say on to do it. On the other side of that, when God says to do it, we do it. We do it. We do when, it. And when, there's a lot when, that scares when, us. When Robbie came to me and said, we're going to be youth ministers, I, and I was like, well, he said that to you, not me. It didn't take me but a few minutes alone by myself for my spirit to say, oh, yes, I did. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah, he came. I mean, he just, I, I walked away. He, a few minutes later, he walked back and he said, no, we're doing it. We're doing it together. He did. Um, now, let me tell you something. When God tells you something, it says right here, it's by, it's by promise. When God says he's going to do something, it's a promise. Yeah. It's not a question of if it'll happen. It's a question of when it's going to happen. And, the, and, and here's, the way, here's the deal. Because some people will say that. Some people will say this. Some people will say, well, if it's God's will, it'll happen. Not necessarily. God's will does not automatically happen because God works through human people. And if human people will not do their part, the will of God will not be fulfilled. Will not be. Just because, I mean, because God could have said, you know, I'm calling you to youth ministers, and Pastor Mike and I could have left the church, and guess what? We would have never been youth ministers. When our pastor's wife came to us and said, by the way, you know, pastor and I have talked about this, and this is what the Lord told us, I could have said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Lord, the Lord can ask me to do anything else, but I can't do that. How much do you know? It was God's will for us to be youth ministers. I mean, he, he spoke to us, but if we don't step in, it will not happen. Well, Sarah, with Sarah and Abraham were like, God, and some things, I mean, it was 18, I mean, it, it had been a long time before Ishmael came along, something like 18 years. Sometimes we can get impatient in the things of God and try to make things happen. But guess what? When we try to make things happen, it doesn't change God's plan. It just delays it. Amen. It just delays it. So it's very important that we get in time with God. Very important. I didn't know all this was in here. I thought, man, this is going to be a short thing to teach. All right. All right. 24. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai. Okay. Let's look at a couple things in this verse right here. He said, um, verse 23. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. He of the free woman was born after promise. Who was the, so we talked about Ishmael being born to Hagar. Who was born of the promise? 
Sarah's child, which is Isaac. Isaac. So you have Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael and his line represents Satan's line. Isaac represents God's line. The next verse says, which these things are an allegory. The word allegory actually is the, ori- is the original Greek word. If you look it up in the original Greek, it's the word allegory. And it actually means a huron, a, a, a huron which is H-A-R-A-N-G-U-E. Really what this means is this is a lengthy and aggressive speech. And it's used to reveal a hidden meaning. So what he's talking about here, when he says this is an allegory, now obviously Abraham, Isaac, Ishmael, and everything that happened was not just a speech. It was an actual line of history. But all of that happened so that we can understand the, it's all type and shadow of what, of what God is doing in Christ. Ishmael and everything that came through, uh, through Hagar, through Ishmael, all of that represents Satan and his kingdom. Everything that happened with Abraham and Isaac and down through their line to Christ and to the point that we are now represents as a type and shadow of the kingdom of heaven. These things that happened in the natural were, were uh, an allegory or a hidden secret to reveal things that are actually happening in the spirit realm. Amen. That's what it's for. But Paul did not understand this. I want you to go back to, Galate, to uh, chapter 2 real quick. Uh, the chapter 2 I want you to look at. I wasn't planning on backing up, but the Lord just said to back up. So I just want to back up real quick. I'm looking for it. Hold on. Okay, chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, keep going, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with, the, with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem, to them which were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to unto Damascus. Right here. He, notice he said, I didn't go back and confer with the apostles, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. When he went to Arabia, at the southern tip of Arabia is where Mount Sinai is. So when he got, when he, after he met the Lord Jesus, Paul actually took a journey, and he went down to the promised land. He actually walked where the Israelites walked during their time with Moses. He actually, that 40-year trip was actually about an 11-day trip, and he actually walked that trip. He actually went on a hike 
with the Lord Father, with the Lord God, and the Lord God revealed to him that Hagar and Sarah, and the, the, the situation with Hagar and Ishmael and Sarah and Isaac, that this was, that this was not just their history, but it was the Lord explaining what was happening in the spirit realm through the Jewish people. And so he, when he walked there in Arabia, when he walked there in Mount Sinai, when he went up on the mountain where Moses met with the Father God, he began to get revelations and he began to understand this type and shadow. And that's what he's explaining to them. Because remember, this is all in one letter. So, so over here in chapter 1, when it seems like, well, why is he telling us that he went to Arabia? It's because over here in chapter 4, because remember, it wasn't chapter and verse. He's explaining to them what he learned there in Arabia. That's what he's explaining. So now let's go back uh, to verse um, 24. 24. And he says, and so while he was there in Arabia, the Lord began to talk to him. And, the, and he began to say while he was there on Mount Sinai, he said, this is where the covenant was cut. This is where this was made. He said, but then this is where the transition came from. And he's explaining to them what the Lord Jesus revealed to him on his trip to Arabia. All right, verse 24. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage. That word gendereth, just so it doesn't confuse you, means to procreate uh, properly from the father by extension of the mother. So what he says here when it says Mount Sinai, this was the covenant that came from the father. How much do you know? How much do you know? Ishmael and Isaac both came from Abraham. But they came through two different mothers. The world came through Hagar. The kingdom of God came through Sarah. Do you see that? Do you see the line there? Same father, different mothers. Which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. And answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. How much do you know the world is still in bondage today? How much do you know the world is still in bondage today? The world it completely is. But look at verse 26 because it tells us exactly who Jerusalem is. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free. Is he talking about the city of Jerusalem? No. No. He's talking about heavenly Jerusalem. Once you come into Christ, you become a resident of Jerusalem. Man, it would be so cool if we acknowledged the spiritual realm and, the paper, and our paperwork could say resident of Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem. Resident. Where's, where, what, what's your hometown? Heavenly Jerusalem. Heavenly Jerusalem. You mean you're not from Murphy? Mm -mm, no. I'm from Heavenly Jerusalem. See, what's he doing? He's taking them from the natural to the supernatural. He's moving them. He said, how much do you know? Uh, no, don't get goofy and don't get in the ditch. People get in the ditch on this. Because we are to act like gods in the name of Jesus on this earth. How much do you know that the bond world is subject to us through the name of Jesus? 
the bond world, the bond world, this is, why the, this is why the Bible says that in the last days there's going to be a great wealth transfer. Why? Because we're going to get a revelation of our power. We're going to get a revel- when you get a revelation of your power, when you get a revelation of your authority, when you get a revelation that, you can, that it is Satan that's keeping your finances and not God, and that you can command Satan to release your finances, and then you can command the angels to go get it and cause it to come, uh, how, how much you know that's going to change your world? When you, get a, when you get a revelation that Satan cannot block you, all you have to do, how much you know that's going to change your world? You know, I, I, the, the Lord corrected me sternly today, sternly. And I didn't say a word when it happened. He corrected me sternly because I've been getting uptight about the traffic. I, I have not liked the traffic. I've been getting uptight about the traffic. I've been fussing about the traffic and murmuring about the traffic. And I kept getting gridlocked into the traffic, and it's been driving me. It's been working my thermometer. And, and today, I was like, oh, we ain't doing this. And I kind of did a shift around and because uh, something just kind of went off on the inside. What went off was, I, was the Holy Ghost said, you know, there's a better way. And I said, oh, Lord, there is a better way. And I got over in the better way, and you know what? The way, and all of a sudden, and I was kind of, I was still kind of gruff about it. I was kind of grumpy about it. And um, all of a sudden, cause I, the whole way, because I was cutting through town, and I come through town, and I got back here, here in the four lane, and the whole way through town, in my mind, I was just, rrr, rrr, traffic, and we're going to have to get backed up in this traffic, and I want to backed up in this traffic, and I, stupid traffic, and, blah, 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 blah. and I pulled out on the four lane. And it was completely empty. There was nobody close to me behind me. There was nobody close to me, close to me front-wise. There was nobody close to me. And the Lord said, this is my provision if you'll trust in me. And I went, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Why? Because I was getting entangled in the world instead of looking to my provider. Because every time I get in the car, I, this is what I believe for. Every single time I get in the car, I Father, I thank you for wide open spaces. I thank you there's nobody in front of me. I thank you there's nobody behind me. I thank you there's nobody on either side of me. There's no near accidents. There's no debris in the road. There's no animals in the road. That I have safe travels everywhere I go. And I mean, I believe for so long that it's almost automatic. He just answers it automatic now. I just don't even have to pray it most of the time. I just say, Father, I thank you for good traffic. For good, for good road conditions. Father, I thank you for good road conditions because he knows what my expectation is. But I had quit doing that. But how much you know? I'm a resident of the New Jerusalem. I'm not subject to this world. Do you know that we can, that if it serves the Father's business, I could be standing here preaching in, in Murphy, North Carolina, and in, a, in, a, in the blink of an eye, I could be translated halfway around the world, minister somebody, and come right back. It's going to come commonplace the closer we get to Jesus coming. Let me tell you something. We're going to detour right here. Stop looking at all these signs, wonders, and miracles that they're putting on social media. Stop it. Stop it. The devil is at work in those things. You are submitting yourself to the devil. Jesus said in the last days, 
there would be many that would come in his name. They would do signs, wonders, and miracles, and they would deceive the very elect if it's possible. People are flocking to these ministers that are doing signs, wonders, and miracles, and they're saying, it's God, it's God. Jesus said, when you hear that Christ is here and Christ is there, do not go. That means don't go with your physical body, don't go with your ears, don't go with your eyeballs, don't go with your curious mind, don't go. Why? Because you will be deceived. Don't go. How'd y'all get me over there? Not sure. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Don't go. Let's keep reading. All right. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Look what he said. He's ta- who's he talking to? Is he talking to just Jews? No. No. He's talking to the New Testament church. The New Testament church that believes Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that has received him as the Lord. If that's who you are, you are a child of Abraham. You are a child of promise, which means everything that is included in the promise belongs to you. Everything that's there. I want you to go, hold your place right here, and I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 54. Hold your spot, Isaiah 54. We're probably going to end with this verse right here. So we'll be holding our spot for a week. We may be. <laughs> I, but I want you to go to Isaiah 54 because I want you to look at this promise. Look at this promise. Now, he was ta- he's talking about those. What, what did the Lord? This applies to every believer that will believe for spiritual. You need to understand this. This applies to every believer that will believe for spiritual. I need you to understand this. However, this is also very personal to this ministry. When I was in the meeting... And I was worshiping the Lord, and I was talking to the Lord about natural children. The Lord showed me teenagers. There was a dark period, then there was a coliseum, and section by section, it started off very slow. There were little, what seemed like small, dark periods, but there'd be a light that would pop on, and there'd just be a handful. And then there'd be a light pop on, and there'd be a couple more. And then there'd be a light pop on, and there'd be a few more. And then there'd be a light that pop on, and there'd be a little more. And then there'd be a light pop on, and all of a sudden it was like a a, a small section. And then there'd be a light pop on, and it was a slightly bigger section. And then all of a sudden it was like the lights went ching, 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 around the room. And when all the lights came up, it was a huge, massive coliseum. And, uh... I won't say, I, 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 at this time it doesn't pertain, so I'll just say, but in, the, in this situation, uh, I was standing at the pulpit, 
And I, and I saw myself looking around, and I looked down over it. I was over it, and I saw it down. And I said, Lord, what is all of this? Who are all of these people? What is this, and who are all of these people? And the Lord said, I'm calling you, and your he said, these are your spiritual children. There's a lot of them, a lot of them. These are your spiritual children children now again this pertains to the entire body of christ if you'll believe for spiritual children you get spiritual children this pertains to everybody but specifically this is this is also the lord speaking over this ministry specifically and he said these are your spiritual children and i said lord i wasn't talking to you about spiritual i was talking to you about natural a couple other things went on and then when i popped it freaked myself out and popped out of the vision and then we haven't had a big conversation about it since you get a vision like that, you'll scare yourself out of the vision too. Uh, but look at what the Lord said right here. So now, fast forward many, many, many years. Michael and I don't have children. We made the decision to leave our children in heaven so that we could have the spiritual children. Look at what the Lord says because I told you guys we had 10 years to get ready. We're four and a half years into the 10 years. Remember I said it starts slow. And then it starts popping, right? Look at what we're supposed to do. Verse 1, chapter 54. Sing, O barren. First of all, what's the first step? Sing. Sing. What are you, what are you singing? Praises, worship, honor, thanksgiving. Man, let's begin to give God thanksgiving and glory. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth unto singing. And what? cry aloud. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to sing and sing loud. Get excited. Talk to the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean obnoxious, but it also doesn't mean weak. It doesn't mean sing a sad song. It means sing a, a joyful song. Thou that didst not travail with child. Talking about physical travailing. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife. Look at that. Those that are without physical children will have more spiritual children. Why? Because we've got more time to dedicate to it. Makes That's sense. why. That's why. Some people get very torn up. <laughs> There's an epidemic of infertility in our nation. If modern medicine wasn't to the degree that it was, how many of those that are infertile would be crying out for spiritual children? Come on. Come on. There's a nation that has to be birthed. Those of you that are not yet married, those of you that don't yet have kids, those of you whose your kids are grown and out of the house, this is our assignment. Just keep going. All right. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent. Did we enlarge? Yes. We enlarged. We enlarged. We expanded. Uh, the church used to be this sanctuary was not ours at all. The church used to go the other way. And we had a very tiny sanctuary. We've expanded. Enlarge the place of thy tent. And let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. We actually have permission. We already have permission that should the time come, the rest of this parking lot, if we so choose to, we get to build on it. We've already been given the, the, the opportunity. I probably shouldn't put that out there. But uh, 
maybe the Lord will have us do that. Maybe the Lord will have us go somewhere else. But the, the, the point is, is there's an expansion of the tent. There's a provision for the tent to be expanded. It's there. Yes, the favor is already there. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles. And make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Are we not the seeds? Are, we, are, are, are our cities not full of Gentiles? Has our city not become desolate? We've we become a spiritually desolate community. We've actually even become, we're considered one of the poorest counties in the state. We are. How much do you know this is a desolate region? Come on. Fear, Keep going. Fear not. For thou shalt not be ashamed. Come on. Neither be thou confounded. For mm. thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth. And shalt not remember the reproach of the widowhood anymore. Listen, those of you that have had rough backgrounds. He said, I'm not going to remember your rough backgrounds. He said, I'm not going to remember your rough childhoods. I'm not going to remember your mistakes. I'm going to read a little bit more. For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. The God of the whole earth shall, be, shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. How good is that? That's such a good word. Come on. So he's talking about these are the promises that we have to stand on. Let's just finish reading Galatians chapter 4. Glory to God. Verse 27, he says, For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry. Thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath a husband. Listen, at some point we've got to be less concerned with birthing physical people and more concerned with birthing spiritual babies. Now, I'm not saying you can't get married. I'm not saying you can't have kids. I'm not saying you can't have a family. I'm not saying any of that. We believe that Jesus is going to come back in our lifetime, but generations before us were wrong. Well, there's a chance we might be wrong. But the signs of times are not looking good for that. But at some point, we've got to stand up and start really fighting and travailing and birthing for babies. And I'm talking to a house full of young I mean, we've got... Just as many young people as we do older people. And we're but talking come on. spiritual babies, not physical. Yeah, we're not talking physical babies. Let's finish All reading right. this off. Now we, bre now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so, it is now. Ishmael mocked, it's, it's recorded in Genesis chapter 21, that Ishmael mocked Isaac. And under that type, under that writing, when it says that he mocked him, it means that he, that Ishmael, Ishmael was not, Hagar and Ishmael were not concerned when Isaac was born. Ishmael and Hagar got upset when, um, 
Isaac began to uh, grow and when Isaac began to prosper and when Isaac began to walk in the blessing, that's when they got distraught and that's when I, that's when Ishmael came against Isaac. How much do you know? Christians, they don't, the world doesn't care about Christians until Christians start to do something. The world could care less about Christians until Christians start driving the nice car. When the Christians start, in fact, they mock and make fun of the poor Christians. But when, but now when they get, when a Christian, listen, let a Christian get one or two nice houses. It's okay for the world to get nice houses. It's okay for the, for the world to make a million dollar income, but don't let that preacher make a million dollar income. Don't let that evangelist have an airplane where he can actually get to and from faster. Don't, oh, don't let that happen. How much you know? That's what happened with Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac started to prosper because of his God, and then Ishmael all of a sudden had a problem. How much you know? If it happened way back there in the book of Genesis, it's going to happen way over here at the end times. This is why we got to learn to count it joy when we come under pressure. We got to get happy when we come under persecution. We got to, when, when you come, when you go to the hospital and, uh, uh, you come under an active shooter, that's when you got to stand up in the, in the faith of the Holy Ghost and say, my God's got me. Come on. Come on. We're, we're seeing more and more attacks on schools, especially Christians. Come on. Let's right. keep going. Verse 30. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. How much you know we're the free? And it's our job to cast out the bond. Really, it's our job to cast out the one that binds the bond people. That's our job. Our job is to exercise authority over Satan. And, it and is in, our job and to, to do, and the, in doing so to set the bond, bonded ones free. That will that that will choose to be free. Now here's the deal: we don't act goofy and crazy and ridiculous in that process. No, we don't do that. We act normal. We act upright. We act with good behavior. You know, we bless people. Uh, you know, and when given the opportunity to witness Christ, we witness Christ as long as there's a spirit leading. As long as there's a spirit leading. Well, glory to God. You want to bless the tithe and the offering if our ushers will come? Yep. Both of them. Glory to God. Mr. Derek, come on. You've been sitting a while. Come on. All right. Glory to God. Thank well, you, Lord, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your many blessings. And we thank you for this word that we have received. It falls on good ground, and it will grow in our lives and bear fruit in our lives and in the lives of those that we come in contact with, because we will share your word with everyone we come in contact with. Lord, you are the most high God, and your word is life. Your word is truth. And we live by that word, and we live that word. And Lord, we just thank you, and we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give into your kingdom with a generous heart, because you gave so much more to us before we, could, before we were even born. Thank you, Lord. But Lord... We give unto you with a joyful heart and a great and a and a generous heart, and we give because Thank it is God. the right thing to do, and we want to see your work done. And we ask you to bless this offering that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or thank towards the doing of your work here on this earth. And Lord, we ask that you that you 
you bless us so that we can be an even bigger blessing to yes, your kingdom. Yes, thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings. And, you, and Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, or destroy. We are forearmed or forewarned and forearmed against you, and we will put a stop to you. That is our calling. That is what we are to do. We are to bind you and to cast you out, and we will do so in Jesus' name. Yes, Father. Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is working. Amen and amen. Y'all can serve the people. I'm